Would you open your Bibles now to the book of Hebrews? This morning, I want us to consider the subject introduced by a passage from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the subject of spiritual drifting. I thought about this, I would have, um, I had a hymn that I'd like for us to sing, if we were to sing a hymn that were to carry through this theme, it would be um, one of the stanzas of Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, you might know the stanza, Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We are all prone to some measure or another to leave the God we love, to drift spiritually. So let us hear what God's Word has to say to us about the danger of spiritual drifting and ask the Lord to uh, teach us from this passage after we read it. Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 4. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty... How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that we are prone to wonder. We are prone to leave, to stray, to drift. So we pray, Heavenly Father, you might show us the danger that that is to our souls, that you might stir us up, O Lord, that if we are drifting, we would seek to rectify that situation. If we are not drifting, O Lord, we would be more diligent about our spiritual lives that we would not drift. And we pray, Father, we might see the surpassing beauty and glory and majesty of Jesus, that we might so hold on to him that we would not drift from him. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Teach us. Minister to us by your Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been exploring When I was a child, we would go out in the backyard armed with a mason jar full of milk and a peanut butter jelly sandwich and launch into the woods out behind our house to be explorers. We never really encountered any kind of serious dangers along the way, nor did we ever discover anything of any significance, but it was exploring, at least to our way of thinking, Then, of course, there are the great explorers of history. There are the Marco Polos of the world that go and discover amazing things uh, that no one else has ever seen. The Lewis and Clarks that adventure out into the West and discover the wilderness of an unknown continent. And then there is a man named Robert 
Edwin Perry. I wonder if you know what he was famous for discovering or exploring. On April the 6th, 1909, Perry, after trying for some 23 years, finally placed an American flag on what he believed to be the North Pole. He spent his life searching for the North Pole. On one of his expeditions in 1899, he suffered severe frostbite as a result, so much so that his feet were frozen. He lost eight of his toes by amputation as a result. But that did not dissuade him. Some number of years later, on another expedition, under treacherous conditions, he had actually to turn back and to abandon his pursuit. He wrote in his journal on April the 6th, 1902, the game is up. My dream of 16 years is ended. I've made the best fight I know. I cannot accomplish the impossible. But yet he did not give up. On another journey, he writes in his journal, we came upon an unusual wide lane. And while camped waiting for a chance to cross, the ice upon which the party was gathered separated from the main flow, and we drifted away for five days. Now, drifting doesn't necessarily have to be dangerous and challenging as it was for Robert Edwin Peary. Drifting could be a pleasant experience as when you might float down a lazy river in the late spring on a Saturday afternoon with the honeysuckle wafting in the air. Or, as in the case of Robert Edwin Peary, a very dangerous and unnerving experience. Spiritual drifting, that which is set forth in our text, is more the latter than the former. It is more of a dangerous condition in which to live one's life. Spiritual drifting is dangerous for the soul. So this morning we're going to look at this text from Hebrews chapter 2 and think about spiritual drifting. First of all, I want you to note what it is. Secondly, what the danger of it is. And then lastly, we want to note what might be the cure for it. First, what exactly does it mean to drift spiritually? What is it? Verse 1 introduces the subject. The writer says, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift from it. The word translated drift conveys in secular Greek the idea of something leaking or flowing out of something, something that slips away. It is used of an arrow that slips out of the quiver or a vessel that has a hole in it that allows all of its contents to leak out, to flow out, to drift into another direction, to be pulled downward by gravity. When something is drifting, it is moved by forces outside of itself that control it and push it in one direction or the other. And spiritual drifting 
happens when you give yourself over to the directions or prevailing currents of life. Drifting is effortless. By the way, a special exhortation to those high school graduates who shall enter into college. There are about 20,000 students in Statesboro, Georgia, attending Georgia Southern University. A great number of them come from churches all over the United States and the state of Georgia, and a great number of them are in a constant state of spiritual drift. I'm thankful to God for the ministries of campus outreach and also the ministry of Reform University Fellowship that seek to minister to those students. Spiritual drifting can get you in big, big trouble, especially during your college years. You have received an exhortation this morning. Don't let that happen to you. When you go to the river... Uh, to enjoy an afternoon, to float, to drift, as it were, what do you take with you? An inner tube, right? Something like that. Have you ever done that? I've done it on the Ogeechee River. You just sit back, let the inner tube float, and just let the current take you wherever it will. When you drift, you don't take a motor. You don't need one. You're not going to be going against the current, but with it. You don't need a paddle, no map, no rudder. You just sit there and effortlessly let the current push you. You drift. And That might be a very enjoyable experience on a Saturday afternoon when you have nothing else to do, but it is dangerous. Very dangerous for your soul. Drifting is, in another word, from verse 3, drifting is neglect. Note verse 3. The writer asks the question, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Thus, drifting is not so much a running away from God, it is not so much a running away from godliness as it is simply a neglect of it. Drifting is not so much a pursuit of a life of disobedience or rebellion or debauchery or a pursuit of evil as it is just a neglect of the gospel, a neglect of your relationship with Jesus. It's just drifting, neglecting the gospel, giving no thought to your spiritual well-being or the course of your life. Thus, again, drifting requires nothing of you. Drifting is passive in nature. You might say, well, I'm, I'm not overtly pursuing the world, but perhaps you want to. It has your heart. 
You're not really pursuing anything spiritual in nature, not personally, not intimately, not a deepening knowledge and experience of the grace of God that's given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ, but you're just drifting. Matthew Henry remarks on this verse in his commentary, our minds and memories are like a leaky vessel. They do not, without much care, retain what is poured into them. This proceeds from the corruption of our natures, the enmity and subtlety of Satan, from the entanglements and snares of the world, the thorns that choke out the good seed. So this text presents before our minds the possibility of spiritual drifting. And thus it begs the question of us, where am I in my spiritual life? How would I describe where I am right now in my pursuit of a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I rigorously pursuing that relationship or am I in a state of spiritual drift? Just floating around, not going anywhere in particular. It is very possible. In fact, most certain. that some of you here this morning could be living in a state of spiritual drift. Maybe you've been drifting for some time now. Months or years even. Or maybe you've just started to drift. Maybe even imperceptibly drifting away. This text would not be in the Bible itself unless this danger were not a real possibility. Mostly we are told things in the Scripture because we need to hear them. And we need to be told not to be caught up in a spiritual drift because there is a real possibility that we might spiritually drift. It is a dangerous condition in which to live. So that is what it is. Let us note now from this text what is the danger of this spiritual drifting. Verses 2 to 4 convey this danger to us. We are told, For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense or penalty, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. When you are drifting, you are allowing the prevailing currents of this world to push you in this direction or another. What are those prevailing currents? They could be attitudes toward sexuality, toward marriage, toward creation, uh, toward your own conception of who you are as a being made in the image of God, about the value of wealth or entertainment. All the ideologies that are out there in the world are pushing against us on a constant basis. And if we are not pursuing something in our relationship with God, pursuing a knowledge of Christ, a deeper knowledge of the gospel, perhaps those currents push us into dangerous places. When you float, you just give over the control of your life 
uh, to that which is around you, the winds, the waves, the currents, the world, the flesh, the devil. Very difficult to stay on course when you are drifting. In fact, it's even difficult, it's been my experience anyhow, that it's difficult to stay on course even when you're not drifting. When you are fighting against those currents that are pressing upon you in the world, with which you are constantly being bombarded, the values of this world that are constantly being pressed upon us through the media, even with a diligent effort, you may get off track. I read a story about some other explorers and adventurers who were trying to cross the Bering Strait, the Bering Sea that separates uh, Alaska from Russia. They thought they would try to cross on land. At the shortest distance, about 56 miles, separates one shore from the other. These men had skied about that distance, about 56 miles, but they had gotten nowhere near the Siberian shore. In fact, as they first out started out on their journey, a strong current was pushing them southward as they were going, trying to go west. They tried to travel west, but the current was pushing the ice pack upon which they were skiing further to the south. And thus, they wrote of their trip each day, we tried to find a path through jumbled blocks of ice, slushy ice and gaps. Open water routinely confronted them as they drifted off course. Every effort they used was to go west. They said, we tried every day. We traveled for eight hours and might get six miles. We would camp for 10 or 12 and lose 12 miles. Sometimes you might feel like that about your spiritual life. There is great danger to be encountered when you drift spiritually. First, uh, there is the danger of departing from Christ himself. Now, the text doesn't explicitly state this in so many words, but it's clear that this is the implied outcome of a constant life of spiritual drifting. We are told in verse 1, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. We might ask the question, what is it? that we have heard from which we are drifting. And that which we have heard is that, is it not, which is spoken to us in chapter 1 about the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 5, 6, 7, and 13, all telling us about who the Lord Jesus Christ is and all the great mercy and grace and salvation and forgiveness of sin, the message of the gospel, the good news, that those of us who have transgressed God's law and merited for us the judgment of God can be rescued from that, can escape that by faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That all of our sins were placed upon him in our place and he bore the full weight of God's wrath and judgment in our place that we might be set free. If we receive that gift by faith alone, as we embrace Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ offered to us in the gospel, that is spoken to us in the word. And Hebrews 1 tells us God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. 
It is the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in him that God has spoken to us about this so great salvation. And when you are in a spiritual state, a spiritual state of drift, it is not just from the church that you might drift away from, as serious a problem as that might be. You are not just drifting away from religion, some practice of religious life. But the danger is that you might be, and surely are, drifting away from Jesus himself, from a relationship with, with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what Peter said when Jesus asked him and the rest of the disciples? Remember a great crowd of people followed Jesus out into the wilderness, and um, after Jesus taught some very difficult things about the sovereignty of God, this text tells us, and many of them were not following him anymore. And then Jesus looks at the disciples and says, You do not want to go away also, do you? And Simon Peter responded by saying, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. The great danger of spiritual drifting is that in the final analysis, you may find that you have drifted far, far away from Jesus himself. The writer also mentions another kind of danger, the danger of what he calls a just recompense or a just penalty. That could be one or two things. It could be either the discipline of the judgment of discipline or it could be the judgment of eternity, one or the other. Verse 1 reminds us of what happened to the Israelites when they neglected or drifted away from the words that were given to them. We are told, for if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Here are the references to Israel. As God spoke to them through the mediation of Moses and those angelic beings that assisted him, they heard a clear message from God on Mount Sinai. And what happened to them when they neglected that word? When they drifted away from that word, God then came upon them in great discipline and chastised them for their spiritual neglect. And there were some very severe chastisements that they experienced. On one occasion, as recorded in the book of Numbers, some 13,700 of them struck down dead because of their rebellion against God. So it could be a stroke of discipline, or it could be a stroke of judgment. The word escape implies that, does it not? When we escape something, we are fleeing from a place of danger to a place of safety. If your house was burning down around you and you were able to escape the fires, your life would be saved from that danger. And so perhaps what is in mind here is the escape from the judgment of God itself. Spiritual drifting may be of such a condition or such a state that you're drifting away from 
a saving knowledge of Christ. I think the Apostle John has this kind of thing in mind in 1 John 2, verse 19, when he says, they went out from us, or he might say they drifted away from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out in order that it might be shown that they all are not of us. The danger of spiritual drifting away from Christ and the pursuit of spiritual growth and health is that one may be found in the final analysis to have drifted into the waters of judgment. Thus the dangers of spiritual drifting, thus the warning of God's word to us that we would not be deluded and caught up in this spiritual neglect and spiritual drift and somehow delude ourselves that everything is all right even though we're just drifting. Now there is great danger. So what is the cure for this spiritual drifting? Well, verse 1 tells us, for this reason we must pay much closer attention of what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. In other words, the cure of the danger of spiritual drifting is a more careful pursuit and attention given to what we have heard. The cure for spiritual drifting is an earnest and diligent pursuit of Christ himself. It is to diligently pursue a course of spiritual growth and spiritual health. When you drift, or when you go to the river to drift, you take an inner tube with you. But when you go to fish, you don't take an inner tube. You take a boat and gear and paddles and bait and a map and a motor. And you're intentional and you have a plan about what you're going to do. You're charting a course of action and most likely sometimes even against the current. And this is why the cure for spiritual drifting is set forth in verse 1 as taking heed, listening carefully, literally to hold on to, to hear the words of the gospel, to recognize the danger of our souls apart from Christ, and thus to lay hold of him and never let go of him. There is a sense of urgency then about it. I wonder where you are this morning. Are you laying hold of Christ or drifting from him? Perhaps you're here this morning and you've never actually ever laid hold of Christ. You've been religious but you've never laid hold of Christ as your only hope of salvation from whom there, or apart from whom there is no hope of salvation. What you need to do is embrace him now, to lay hold of him now, lest you drift into an eternal judgment. Perhaps you have laid hold of Christ, but you are on this day, in this very moment, you know 
Yes, that describes me. I've been drifting. I've neglected my spiritual well-being. I don't remember the last time I read my Bible. I don't remember the last time I prayed. You may have drifted so far away from Jesus that from where you are, you can barely see him. The great hope of the gospel, the good news, is that wherever you are, Jesus can see you. And however great the gap may be between you and him, Jesus can close that gap instantaneously. All you need to do is open up your heart to him. Say, Lord Jesus, I've been drifting, but I don't want to drift anymore. So I embrace you afresh. Draw me to your side. You know what the scripture says to us? Draw near unto God, and he will draw near unto you. May God help us as we pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this warning of your word. It is troubling and disturbing to us, O Lord, because we know that in our hearts we are prone to wonder. But Lord Jesus, we see you standing with open arms to receive us yet again. O Father, increase our faith that we might forsake our drifting and lay hold of you, O Lord. Lay hold of Jesus, to whom to lay hold of is life eternal. This we pray in his blessed and glorious name. Amen.